Good morning. As Christ welcomed us with open arms and a loving heart, we too welcome you. Wherever you have been, whatever you have done, no matter your past or present, you have a future. Christ came, lived, and died and rose again to ensure that future. Welcome to worship at Holotus Hills United Methodist Church. I am Carol Radford. I love this church. I love the, the opportunities it presents for outreach and for fellowship. And I love being in the choir and in the bell choir because it's, a, for me, a huge part of, uh, music is a huge part of my life. Anyone interested in making a joyful noise? Please join one of those. We're always looking for more members. So please do, if you're interested, come on Wednesday nights. Welcome to worship. If you're a first time guest, please let us know by filling out a blue card found in the pew back pocket. You can return them by placing them in the offering plate in the Welcome Center. You will also find a yellow prayer request card. We have many opportunities in the church to pray and we'd love to pray for any of your needs. So you may also fill that out and put it in the box. You will also find a QR code in the pew pocket. If you would like an electronic bulletin, use your smart device to click on the QR code and you will be transported to the webpage where you can find the bulletin, prayer requests, and other information about our church and ways to give. Today is Communion Sunday and the altar rail offering will go toward the World Communion Sunday Fund for the United Methodist Church. Please check the calendar notices in the bulletin for all the many things happening in the church. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Jenny, not Jesse or Jean. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I, I fill lots of shoes sometimes. Um, we have an update for our trunk or treat candy count. We have 19 large bags, 28 medium bags, and 10 small bags. Um, that's enough for about six to eight trunks, and that's about what we have signed up out there in the, in the Welcome Center. Kathy Brock told me this morning that she remembered to bring her candy. So if Kathy can remember to bring candy, y'all can remember to bring candy. We need more candy. We need more volunteers also to sign up as trunk providers to run games um, we have a, an HHUMC information table, and um, we need parking lot wranglers as well. And if we have any kiddos that would like to join me for Spark this morning, follow me to the back of the sanctuary where, where we will check wristbands. My name is Cheryl Brim, and I am blessed to be a pastor here at Lotus Hills United Methodist Church. And as is our practice, during our prayer time, people raise their hand and they say their name and what their prayer request is for. I'll jot those down and our prayer teams, both um, here on Monday night and on Facebook, will lift you in prayers. And so you'll have a lot of people praying for you. So raise your hand if you have a prayer request. Most of y'all took my prayers that I was going to lift about people being affected from the hurricanes and storms about our pumpkin patch, about our brand new grandbaby. Yeah, I sent him a note, Melanie. I said, welcome a new grandbaby. It's a baby grand, and it is an answer to prayer. So we thank God, and we also thank Kathy and Sharon and Carol Ann who helped. 
Lord, hear our yeah, I was also going to lift a praise for Melanie and John Minor being here. Melanie, if you don't know, was a former pastor at this church for six years, and so we welcome her here today, and she'll, she and John will be sharing communion with us as well this morning. So here are praise. Let's go before the Lord in our prayers. We'll spend a couple of times in silence, and then I'll bring us together as we have a time of closing prayer. Let us pray. God, you are righteous and honorable and trustworthy and true. You crush darkness and shatter despair. You heal people and restore relationships, and you continually invite people to know you personally. You are so great and mighty and worthy to be praised. We thank you that you have gathered us here together today that we might honor and glorify you. Thank you for the mighty work you've done in us and through us. Grant that in the power of your Holy Spirit, we may be more and more transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Sow in us seeds of faith that may blossom and grow into the harvest of loving grace. Lord, keep our faith alive that we might share our witness and transform the world for Jesus Christ. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. One of the prayer things I forgot to share with you is that out in the Welcome Center are these purple prayer sheets. It is a daily guide for praying for the pumpkin patch. Because we know if we're surrounded in prayer, then we will be able to make it through anything. So if you will grab one, if you want to pray every day, there's just a short scripture and a little prayer prompt for you to pray over the patch. And if you want to stay after worship and help load or unload pumpkins when they come, thank you, Jesus, when they come, uh, please do that. Or at least take one of these that you might walk the patch and pray for those who are going to come, that they might see Christ in us. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Melanie, I like to make them say amen just because it's a good thing to do. Well, I want to tell you what he said. He said, we are here because we love Jesus Christ and we love our church. We are a church that is receptive and welcoming and is surrounded by God's steadfast love. We believe in the expansive view of God's grace found in provenient grace, the grace that goes ahead of us even when we're just little babies and before we know God. God is there for us. We believe in justifying grace, which is the grace that, just, that Jesus made us whole, just as we are. We believe in sanctifying grace, and sanctifying grace is simply that growing grace. As we continue to love and learn and grow in Christ's likeness, that sanctifying grace. We believe in all these amazing grace nurtured in and through the United Methodist Church. We welcome all people, and we intend to continue to be this distinctively grace-filled church. We are a church marked by God where people will feel safe and find refuge. 
And although we do not know how the future things will be or what will unfold in the years to come, we do have hope for the future. Last Thursday night in a full house in the United Methodist Church of churches uh, around San Antonio at University United Methodist Church, our bishop, Robert Snazy, presented his perverted vision for the future of the Methodist Church. He came to answer questions from the congregation about this thing we call disaffiliation. Bishop Snazy talked movingly about how God's grace is an ever-widening reality, and it has been the core of his personal faith experience as a United Methodist since he was a child. He always envisioned the United Methodist Church as a place where everyone was welcome at the table. And for this reason, he expressed his ardent desire that everyone in the room would stay United Methodist. But he disavowed any desire to compel any congregation to stay after going through a six-month process of prayerful discernment. He said that if they left, in fact, he would be there to bless their departing. He would pray for their success. And then we closed that time together by celebrating the Lord's Supper. We sang one bread, one body. And with the words of the Eucharistic prayer ringing in our ears and in our hearts, and you'll hear them later when we say the prayers, make us one, one with Christ, one with each other, and one in service and ministry to the world. Powerful and convincing. And for me, this was even more than that. It was a homecoming of sorts because I returned to the very church, University, United Methodist Church here in San Antonio, that birthed my call and fostered me into ministry, reminded me of these encouraging words that we read Paul write to his friend and disciple Timothy, found in 2 Timothy verses, chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. It's in your pew Bible in 1084. If you want to read it with us, pull that up. And we're going to read these words that Paul wrote to Timothy. Here we read, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, for the sake of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ our Lord I am grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did. When I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I might be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now, I'm sure, lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. This is the word of God for the people of God. What a beautiful and sincere greeting that Paul wrote to young Timothy. It's heartfelt and is filled with gratitude. You see, Timothy's mother, Eunice, and his grandmother, Lois, had prepared Timothy, 
He prepared him to accept Jesus Christ by the teachings of the Old Testament scripture, prepared him, scripture says, from infancy to recognize the Messiah. When Paul came preaching Christ, Eunice and Lois and Timothy accepted his teachings and committed their lives to Jesus Christ. Timothy was probably no older than in his teens at the time, maybe early 20s. And then he joined Paul. He joined Paul in ministry. And by the time that this letter was written, he had already distinguished himself as a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. What a legacy of faith. I wonder, have you ever felt grateful for your legacy of faith? Think about that for a second. I was formed by the church at, on Days of Allah, University United Methodist Church. And especially so when I was, my faith was formed and strengthened by the grandmothers and the grandfathers of the church. My life direction was directed by their prayers and their faithful teaching and preaching. And I received God's gift of grace and faith through so many members of that church. They helped rekindle my relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And that church became my family members who were full of tenderness, full of faithfulness. They were so patient as they instructed me on scripture and stories and history of faith of God's people and about Jesus Christ as our Messiah. Who informed your faith life? Was it a mother or father in the faith? Was it a brother or sister of the faith who graciously led you to grow in grace and love? Maybe it was a pastor. Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher who became for you a member of your family of faith. By keeping the faith, the church is the place where we are informed and guided that we might live a life in alignment with God's will for our lives. Now, not only did my church family inform my spiritual growth, but it was there I learned more about John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church. As I claimed for myself the spiritual guidance through his rules of life, which are foundational for keeping the faith in a world that's full of difficulty and division. He said we should operate on three simple rules. You know these rules? Write them down on your palm so that you have them with you always. The first rule, do no harm. If we could just live our life like that, wouldn't things be different? It would affect everything if we could live a life doing no harm. No harm to ourselves, no harm to others, no harm to the environment. I would probably even drive better. I should think of that when I'm driving. The second rule, do good. I know these are hard, complicated rules, aren't they? Do no harm and do good. What could we do today, in this, even this very moment, to do good for others? We can lift a prayer. We can be encouraging in our words. We can be present. First rule is to, thank you. A few of you were listening. Thank you, John. Do no harm. Second rule is, do good. Keep those etched in your mind and heart. And the third rule is to attend 
to the ordinances of God, which really means stay in love with God. And how do you stay in love with God? You come to church. You participate in worship. You take Holy Communion. You meet together with spiritual friends. You read the Bible. These are all ways to stay in love with God. So the first rule is? Do no harm. Second? And the third? Stay in love with God. Do the things you need to do to stay in love with God. Now, I am forever grateful about learning these, this kind of grace through the church, through the lens of our founder, John Wesley. But sadly, we are a church who was once united in faith are no longer united. There's a group of former United Methodists who have broken off from our church to create a new denomination. And now, many churches are caught up in a heated battle for control of property, control of the future of the United Methodist Church, and they seek to split the church. And it is unfortunate their tactics have been filled with fear-mongering and untruth and innuendos and talking about the United Methodist Church. It was for this reason that our bishop, Robert Schnazy, met with people here in San Antonio to talk about the truth of what's going on in the Methodist Church. Unfortunately, it is abundantly clear that a majority of United Methodists do not know or understand much about what is happening with this disaffiliation. There's been a lot of misinformation out there thrown out by many, and so we don't know who to listen to anymore. We don't know who to trust. And that's why the bishop, our bishop of the Rio, Texas Conference met with us on Thursday night, and he plans five more meetings in the area all throughout the Rio, Texas Conference so that we might learn and grow about this thing called disaffiliation. Now, in the first service at nine, there were about 25 people there that went to this meeting. If you went to that meeting, will you raise your hand up? Looky here. Still, quite a few of us that went to this meeting to learn about what the bishop was gonna say as he shared his perspective and decided to dispel myths about disaffiliation. And I want to be completely transparent with you. I am and will remain a United Methodist pastor. If this church decides later in the history to disaffiliate while I'm appointed here, I will be reappointed because I will stay United Methodist. And I want you to know that. I'll remain United Methodist my whole life like when I started. Recently, a good friend shared a story with me, and she told me that it was really weird when she got an envelope in the mail that contained a Methodist cross and a note from her mother-in-law. She said she and her husband had given her mother-in-law this Methodist cross years ago, and she valued that cross and flame necklace, and she wrote to her and said, I don't want to keep it anymore because I'm no longer United Methodist after her church had disaffiliated. Well, my friend thought that was strange to get the cross back, but was even stranger is when she admitted to herself that she really didn't ever fully understand why people even wore a cross at all. To her, it seemed kind of a sad reminder of the pain and shame put on Jesus at the cross. But for others of us, it's a reminder of Christ's sacrifice. And some people, well, they'll wear a plain cross 
and other people will wear a cross with an image of Christ on it, while others will have a cross in flame, which is the Methodist symbol. If you look at that sign back in the very back of the church next to Eric and Roy Allen, you'll see the Methodist cross. And some people will wear those. I have a friend who has countless jeweled crosses. She wears a different one every week to church, and she says to me, this one, this is what I'm giving to you when I die. And she has a little book where she writes, who's getting all her crosses? It's a pretty cross. The cross I wear is a cross that my mother-in-law wore. And when she passed, they gave it to me to wear. And this cross means to me that I remember Christ and his sacrifice. And I also remember my dear, sweet mother-in-law. And then there's another cross I wear. Who's wearing one of these today? We wear the Emmaus cross on the first Sunday of the month. This is the first time I, my husband brought it to me, so I got to wear it. This also is a symbol for us. When we go through the walk to Emmaus, at the end we get our cross, and it says, they say, Christ is counting on you. And we say, and we are counting on Christ. So you, you see, the cross means so many different things to so many different people. There's a cross with a crucifix on it that's with Jesus hanging on it. And some people will carry that. And our brothers and sisters of the Roman Catholic faith, they will generally wear a cross with, a, with Jesus on it. And I've got to tell you, one day, I, my little son, when he was little, uh, he was probably five or six years old, and he said, Mama, can I get a cross? I want a cross to wear. And I was so proud. Oh, honey, that is awesome. You want to wear a cross like Mama's cross, and it's a Methodist cross like that one in the back? And he said, no, I don't want that squiggly thing on there. I said, oh, honey, that's so sweet. Well, that squiggly thing represents the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is so awesome and great and powerful. And he said, no, I don't want that squiggly thing on there. So he got himself a plain cross without the squiggly thing. But you see, we can wear crosses here because we don't disallow people or say we don't believe in your theology of why you wear a cross. You wear it because it represents Christ to you. And in the same way, criticizing part of our church family for their theological position on various issues seems rather antithetical to me. Why have we become the judge and the jury on someone's theology and practice? Why would we judge whether someone wears a cross or a crucifix or an Emmaus cross? Well, I believe I know the answer to that question of why do we do that? Anyone else? Anyone? Anyone? Earlier, Richard was sitting here. He got to call on me because he was a teacher. Ooh, Kathy, Kathy, can I? She chose me. I believe the reason I'm teacher's pet today, okay? that we continue to do this is because we are human, simple creatures who sin and fall short of the glory of God. I got one amen. Because that's the truth of it. We criticize others, we disaffiliate, we discuss things that we shouldn't because we're sinful creatures. And we are grateful that Jesus has made a way for us to be loved and accepted. This week, we were reminded by Bishop Snazy of the hope that is in our diversity. We could love Jesus Christ, we can share the essentials of our faith, and we can remain United Methodist. Because here's the truth of the matter. 
The essentials of our faith have not and will not change. We are not abandoning the authority of Scripture. We stand, as John Wesley did, and agree that Scripture it ha- contains everything necessary for salvation. United Methodists receive the Old Testament and the New Testament as the inspired word of God. John Wesley once said that he was a man of one book, and we too will remain people of the one book, the Bible. We, United Methodists, love the Bible, and we see it as the foundation in which tradition, reason, and experience rest. John Wesley accepted the fact that not all of us would interpret scriptures alike. He encouraged us to think and reason. And Wesley once said, we may not all think alike, but we can love alike. How will we go about keeping the faith in such a difficult time? Hebrews chapter 13, 8 says this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You know that scripture. You're a good Methodist. Jesus kept the faith. He is our example of how to keep the faith. Because no matter what he faced, Jesus knew that God had his back. He remained faithful to God, knowing that God would take care of him. Jesus did not focus on the situation or listen to what other people had to say. Instead, Jesus focused on worshiping and honoring God. And in the end, in the end, he saved us. And he saved the world from slavery to sin and death. Jesus' faith allowed him to go to the cross for us. And Jesus knew he had to die so that we could live. Jesus kept the faith. Jesus never gave up. Let us not weary of keeping the faith. Amen? Amen. As a response to the faith that Jesus gives us, we in turn consider what it is that God is calling us to do. Is God calling you to give of your time, your talent, your gifts, your service, your witness? Consider that well. If you want to give to the church, there's an offering uh, box out in the Welcome Center. If you want to serve, come and talk to me. If you want to join this church, come and talk to me. You can respond how God calls you to respond. Let us stand in body or spirit as we sing the doxology, which is our song of praise. Please be seated. Today is World Communion Sunday. That is such a blessing to us as Christians as we celebrate Holy Communion at this table, which is not a United Methodist table, but it is the world's table. Christ made it open for all people of all ages, nations, races, and theologies. And aren't you grateful? Can I get an amen? Amen. I think they're grateful, Carol. I think so too. Will you lead us by the invitation, please? I will.
Christ our Lord invites us, invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, join me. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive, Forgive us. us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Will you continue with me in the great thanksgiving? The words will appear on the screen, or you can open your hymnal to page 13. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give you thanks, almighty God, Father and creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company in heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, our Lord and Savior took the bread, he blessed it, and then he broke it. And he said to his disciples, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this as often as you eat it in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he again took the cup. And after he gave you thanks, he gave the cup to his disciples, and he said to them, Take and drink from this cup, all of you. This is the cup of the new covenant poured out in my blood for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out the power of your Holy Spirit upon each of us gathered here and upon these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we might be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. And by your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry and service to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast together at his heavenly banquet. It is through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forevermore. Amen. 
And now, with the confidence of the children of God, let us pray the prayer Jesus taught his disciples, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. What a beautiful sound, the voices of children in the background. As I reminded you earlier, this table is not merely a United Methodist table. It is a table open to all people. So you are all invited to come forward and receive. I'm going to ask those who are serving to come forward now that we might prepare for you. We'll ask you to come up the center aisle where we'll offer you a piece of bread as the body of Christ. And we'll offer you the cup as the blood of Christ. There you can remain here at the altar rail and pray or return to your seat where we'll close our time together with the... Uh, prayer after receiving. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become his righteousness. He humbled him and carried the cross love so
Let's go to the prayer after receiving, and let's say this prayer together. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. So God works in mysterious ways. And Susan just informed me that the pumpkin truck is here now. <laughs> I think it's a woohoo moment. So we're going to quickly do our hymn of receiving. And if you want to join our church, but you know, we didn't even do our mission statement last service. Mm -hmm. So let's do our mission statement first. Susan, you are just that good. Let's read it together, please. Our mission. The mission of Holotus Hills United Methodist Church is to make new disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. One way to carry the light of Christ out is to serve others. And one big way in our church is the pumpkin patch. So if you feel so called, help serve in that way. If you have good muscles or a strong back, let's pass the pumpkins. And um, as we consider what it is God's calling us to do, go forth in the strength of this blessing and benediction. May God watch over and keep you while we're away one from the other and bring us back together that we might worship God once again. Amen? Amen. Go forth in peace. Amen.